King, unless he's still frozen. Are you with us there, brother? Well, maybe it's just me again. Jimmy, say yo. Don't forever hold your peace. Well, I'm going to assume that he's not here, and uh, whenever uh, Jimmy King is back, he can make noise and uh, stuff. But I wanted to ask him about, you know, we were talking about Magic City and, and Mo King. In the NBA, we had, when I was covering the NBA, we had stops that we went to in every city. Uh, in Atlanta, um, the only time I went to Magic City was uh, during Super Bowl week. I went there with some members of the Dallas Cowboys, um, they were there having a good time. But what we used to go to in Atlanta all the time was a shoe store called Freed's. Freed's had, I think it was two two or three stories full of shoes. And they, they are all the, way, all the way from size 8 to size 23 or 24 for NBA players. Um, I bought some shoes. I bought some shoes that I wouldn't wear today. They were cowhide loafers. At the time, I was a little younger. I was like, okay, I think these can work. But as a 61-year-old man, I would never wear them now. Just wouldn't fit. I mean, they would fit, but just wouldn't look right on me now. I'd look like a fool. So um, but those, but Freed's was a big place that we used to go to. And also, when we, whenever we went to Portland, we went to the, the Nike campus. And that was a huge deal because you could get Nike shoes for 50, 50% off. You went to the employee store. That was that was huge. Um, so I always enjoyed going there. And then also Isaac and uh, Reebok had a little smaller store there. They would let us let us go in there. But this was not open to the public, so it was uh, it was pretty cool. So that that we would go there. Um, anyway, um, I am going to go through something that a lot of parents are going to go through. My son. Brandon is to be a freshman at Michigan State University in the fall, supposedly. Um, we are getting, I don't know if it's the runaround, but we're getting, I think what Michigan State and other schools are doing is they are trying to make you think that it's, that it's going to be a lot of classes, in-person classes or hybrids or whatever, and we kind of know that that's not true because they use terminology like we hope to or we're planning. That doesn't mean you're going to do it. That's mean if everything works out right, you're going to try to have in-person classes. The other thing we're afraid of, let's say you send them up to school, you're in the dorm. Dorms are like Petri dishes. It's impossible to social distance. You know kids are not going to be wearing masks it's not going to be as much fun because they're not going to do the social activities that we did when we were kids. Um, so I don't know how much fun he would have. I think the the main thing is for him to just get out of our house. He doesn't, I'm, I'm sure <clears throat> he's 18. He's a senior. He's college age. Now he does not want to be in this house and I don't blame him. Um, the toughest time for me was, when I came home um, between, you know, between semesters, it was tough for me because you went four or five months around kids your age. You did what you wanted to do. It was fun uh, in addition to going to school and everything. <clears throat> then when you got home, 
they're like, it was like the clamps were put on you again. And I felt uncomfortable. It's like, well, shit, you mean I got to be home by midnight. I didn't have to do this before. So what's up with that? So uh, my daughter, Celine, who uh, is a, now she is a senior at Stanford. She's at home doing her internship. I'm sure she's going nuts uh, under our roof. And we sort of have rules for, we just, I don't know. She can do whatever she wants, but just being under the same roof with us, I'm sure that's pretty tough for her because she's basically been gone for three years. And now she's a senior, which went quick. I mean, I still remember her being accepted to Stanford, her going crazy. Uh, I still remember crying when we uh, dropped her off and had to leave. I'm like, damn, my baby is... You know, it, to me, it was the distance. Because when I left, I was like, damn, this is a long way from home. And then uh, she used to send me these sad cartoons that just made me sad. There was a cartoon of a little girl looking up at the moon. And it was a caption about, hey, we're, we may not be together, but we're looking at the same moon tonight. And it just got me right here. I was a little bit sad. I'm like, damn, that's a little bit messed up. I miss my girl. And. I uh, wish I could be with her, give her a hug, smack her upside the forehead or whatever you do. So um, it's it's tough being a student and then coming back home because you're an adult. You're an adult, and I'm sure at times we treat her like kids or treat her like a child. Don't mean to do it because it's parental instinct. So do we have uh, Mr. King with us yet? All right, yes, there you sir. go. Yes, sir. Right. You're right about that. My daughter is uh, coming up on her junior year at the University of Michigan. In a couple of years that she's been gone, these past few months for her, the adjustment has been, you know, brutal. You know, we've had some. Yeah, but don't you live in Ann Arbor? Huh? How's how's that gone? You live in Ann Arbor, right? And she's at the University of Michigan. You can no. see her if you want. No, 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 no. Well, see, I. Um, <laughs> I understand the importance of, you know, of, of the development of them, you know, being on their own. Even though I'm around, you know, and I'm, I, I may be five minutes or ten minutes away, um, I don't see her every day. I don't, you know, I, I'm not accessible as, as, or she's not accessible because she's doing what she's doing. You know, she's right. she has her, uh, you know, um, her schooling obviously, and then you know her study groups and her social life, and you know, you know, there's no room for you know daddy while she's developing, you know, um, and, and growing to a young adult. So being home, and when, and, and, when I, and when I say home, and when I say and when I was saying home, I mean back in Detroit, not in Ann Arbor. You know, forty miles down the road, which is still, um, you know, a, a difference. And like you say, it being under the roof um, is is not the same as you know being on your own and and doing what you want to do and making your own decisions, coming when you want to go. You know, no one's keeping tabs on you. You know, and mm -hmm. it's just that different pressure. And I remember coming um, home from 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 school. And it was the same thing. You know, my parents were very uh, lenient, you know, with me. You know, I, um, you know, nothing changed for me. They they understand I was a young adult, you know, and I was 
capable of making uh, grown decisions, but, um, you know, still got to respect the house and you got to respect the rules. Yeah. Do you think they're going to get through a, a semester in college before they send them home? No, I don't think, I do not think, well, it, I think it depends on um, different um, campuses. And again, in their approach, because there is no unified approach in how in the best solution and how to bring the kids back and keep them safe on campus. There is not one. All we know is that there is a plan for them to come back. So we don't know what that's going to look like until, um, you know, if and will, uh, or, or if and still something uh, happens or or some a breakout happens. So until then. Um, I think we're going to see a mix of kids going back to class uh, and um, the majority of them maybe being on campus but taking um, their courses online and a mix of both. That's what I see. I see people staying at home as a choice, not leaving where they're at right now, their domicile. I see some coming back to campus. And then I see others really commuting and making uh, or you know, um, doing a hybrid between the two. So <laughs> it's it's going to be interesting to see how that all shakes out um, over the next year, year to, year to two years, that we, as this becomes our normalcy. Yeah, I think, at least for my son, it's going to be half um, in class and half um, online. So that's a pretty good percentage for – from from other people I've heard, I've, I heard some kids taking uh, like six classes. Five of them are online, and one of them in, are in person. So, if that was the case with my son, I you know, is it really worth sending them to school? Because you're not going right. to get that experience. You're going to pay more. And I think. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the kid that just you know wants to be out on his own, and that's able and capable. So there's nothing wrong with that. If I'm comfortable enough to like, hey, I could go out and make this one class a week or two classes a week and, you know, be on my own. I mean, that's what everyone's doing anyway. I could manage my own life here on campus and, you know, still maintain the social distancing that I've been doing anyway. That's, That's why I say it's going to be interesting to see how everything shakes out because if they have like this influx of, um, kids coming on campus and, you know, they're doing this, you know, do, having all these uh, fraternity parties or parties in general around campus, that's, you know, potentially an issue. So as long as they keep these bars down, um, and here in Texas, the the way that they, uh, they keep, you know, crowds down, is, particularly at bars, is, uh, if you serve a certain amount of liquor, you know, you, you cannot open. Um, but if you have a combination of food and liquor, if you serve more food than liquor, um, you're able to remain open. So, yeah, that, you know. I think if I was a freshman going to college, I don't care if all the classes were online. I just went out the house. I'll take my I'll take my chances. Um in the dorm, I take my chances, perhaps getting the disease, but 
if I was 18, 19, I just went out the house. I, I want a new start, a new beginning, and boom. Well, that's what I'm saying. I know I know my daughter is ready to uh matter of fact, hold on, what's today? I think she moves in tomorrow. <laughs> August first, she moves into her apartment on campus. Right. So it's already here. You know, I, I'm I'm a week behind. I'm still thinking it's next week, but it's tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, we have until the twenty eighth of August. So we have a few days, but we have to make a decision on Tuesday. If is he going to school? Is he going to be in the dorm? Is he going to be this? So that's why we're having our big meeting on Sunday. We're going to hash it all out, make a decision, pray on it, and hopefully we'll make the right decision. That's right. Always, you know, like you said, pray on it. Make sure that you uh, you get the right answer <laughs> and right, go right. with it. Right now. Uh, while you were a student at the University of Michigan, because this guy is in the news again, were you familiar with or had any interactions with Dr. Robert Anderson while you were a student and, you know, people coming forward saying that he was abusive to uh, sexually abuse some athletes and everything? Were you guys subject to being under his care? Did you even know the guy when you were there? What, what was your interaction with him? Yes, that's a um, uh, obviously a, a touchy subject, and um, the football team, the basketball team, really, excuse me, um, a lot of athletes were exposed to um, Dr. Anderson. He was the general doctor. Um, from what I remember, you know, the way that I remember, um, him being, uh, so yes, I had interactions with him. Yes. Um, there were some, uh, inappropriate, um, interactions and yes, um, I am a part of the lawsuit that's going on currently. Um, and there are a number of athletes who choose to remain anonymous, and there are a number of athletes who choose to come out about it. And, you know, and realizing or even having a discussion about something like that um, it's really eye-opening and it's surreal because it, it just doesn't seem like, you know, it just doesn't seem real how, you know, adults and administration can allow something to happen to kids like that or put them in a position where something like that potentially can happen is baffling. And especially... Um, when there was actions taken before, if it was, you know, the first time, you know, around, I can see where I well, was not even, I can see, but, you know, that, that is understandable because, you know, how would you know, but when you uncover the information and then act as if it doesn't exist and you expose them to 
kids to further abuse, that is something that, um, you know, to watch and to experience grown men to go through is, um, Could could you not say anything at the time, or did you, or were you trying to just keep things under wrap or calm and not at say anything time, at the it time? Wasn't even you, not, like you you talking about like in school, like during like in, in yeah, school. Yeah, in school. Well, yeah. it didn't happen like that for me. For me, it was like okay, you know how you're a freshman, you hear all different types of stories. You hear all different types of things. You don't know if they're true. You don't know if they're real. You know what I mean? So you're trying to decipher what's what. And uh, there was no information or stories that were you know, brought to my attention about that and um, about that situation. And uh, so... My freshman year, when I had my experience, you know, it was just, you know, I, that's why, like, going through it, I, I didn't realize that it was, you know, really an experience until until someone mentioned how he was and what he was doing. Like, mentioning and passing to me like hey don't didn't you know here blah 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 don't go see him because xyz and i'm like you know kind of ha ha you know it was a joke didn't really believe it or know it was true or not you know you know you know because it's to me it was like a um type the type of jokes that you know those those jokes that go around um locker rooms and athletics and stuff like that that's what i attributed to um um but talking to other players you know they would just you know guys and if you can imagine what are not talking about abuse and that type of abuse so it was kind of like point the finger at mm-hmm. you and then just kind of turn and walk away and that's it. You know what I mean? And it, like, yeah, like yeah. It's, it's not real. So it, you don't know real or not. So before me, in my instance, um, uh, I had a teammate approach me and say, hey, did you hear about Doc? And I was like, wow, really? And then it took me to my first experience with him. And I was like, wow. You know, it made me realize that, wow, really, I went through an experience and didn't realize it. Oh, right. I can see how he could um, do uh, or get away with that um, for years. Um Because you just, you just, you really don't know. It's, it's, it's enormous what's to be expected. Uh, at least for, you know, my situation wasn't uh, over, um, overly, I guess. Well, I don't want to say that, but uh, there, there was an exchange. And, and uh, for others, um, it, was, it was even worse. So, you know, with this going on, um, at the end of the day, it's all about 
really, honestly, it's about the, the mental health of these grown men moving forward. Because there there's mm-hmm. been some um, lives affected, um, whether it's uh, relationship-wise, personally, financially, um, spiritually, you know, just everything. Um, there's been some serious damage here. Right. But, you know, some, I think things like this are allowed to continue because, you know, they're, they're trying they're trying to protect, protect the product. And, and I don't think this is something that athletes feel comfortable talking to each other about, you know, it's not like a, you want to have a half hour conversation about this before practice or before a game. And then officials who may have known anything, things, I hope it gets swept under the rug. No one ever finds out because you want to protect the block M or you want to protect the pit, the Pacers or the Pistons or the organization from either lawsuits mm-hmm. or negative press or stuff like that. So it just kind of swept under the, the rug. That's my opinion. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, we call that being a company man. There are some people who will cross that line. Um, uh, but the majority of the people that I know, um, you know, stick together and, and really, you know, it's just about the, you know, airing out the truth. Um, there's a lot mm-hmm. of of what's going on in this uh, environment and culture today, especially with the child molestation uh, accusations that's been going on politically uh, in all these uh, uh, Hollywood rings, political rings, um, people in power. Uh, it's it's time to you know again change and to make a change and to uh, to expose these people who who are doing these things, who are harming others and oppressing others. So right. it's just about it's just about um, growth. That's that's what we're seeing right now. There's a paradigm shift going on, and it's time for everybody to you know make a change, do something about it, and to even have the courage to speak up because there's there are more people who are with you than against you. You know, it just seems like the, the like it's the opposite. But really, when you look at it, it's only a few who influence and run the media, uh, and who ultimately make certain decisions. So when we band together and realize that we're the ones who really have the power, right? But I still think it was, it'd be very difficult for a current student athlete, whether it's today or especially. 15, 20, 25, or 30 years ago to say anything because what would happen is that athlete would be attacked. You know, first of all, 80% of the public wouldn't believe it. They'd tell you to shut mm-hmm. up and just play ball. Why are you, why are you trying to hurt the institution? Stop mm-hmm. it. Just go play. We're giving you a scholarship. Just shut the fuck up. Yeah. That's what I think would be <laughs> very difficult. You know, student athlete to do that to say something yep they're scared to lose a scholarship they're scared to right. uh to be that um proverbial guinea pig and you know why are you you know messing up this over you know uh something that can be handled and 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 really here's the here's the killer is that 
you know, with the knowledge that the people have or some of the people who are involved, it, it, it's, it's a matter of, like you said, upholding the institution, which is really about the money or the reputation. And either way, it's a bad thing when you are harming and oppressing kids. Um, you're, you are affecting lives. These mothers and fathers grow up, or, or kids grow up to be mothers and fathers. And those experiences that they have, they pass on to their children. This is a generational thing. And for him to, to be allowed to do what he's done, it's affected a lot of people and, and not just the athletes. So, um, there, there, he needs, he needs to pay for it, the university and the people who, who knew about it and allowed it to happen. And that's why I'm a part of the suit. Okay. Well, thank you for your insight on that. And uh, good luck with this suit. And I hope everything works out however it may. So, um, oh, I have a, another hypothetical for you. You're inside the bubble now. You're playing ball for the Pacers or the Raptors, whoever it may be. What's that go-to snack that you have to absolutely have to get you through the two or three months uh, inside the bubble? Because they don't want you going out getting food or women or stuff like that. Is there something that you have to have I mean, that... There are two things I need. Um, now you talk about as far as snacks, right? Right. Um, there's, there's two things. I need my Fig Newton. Oh, man. And, <laughs> and, and, and my Welch is great. Oh, the, the grape jelly? It. No, grape juice. Okay. Oh, grape juice. You know, grape juice yeah. is very good now. Can you do purple? Or can you do the white grape juice? Um, purple. Because purple stains. Purple. I used to drink I, that I, as a I kid. Like was... white. I can do the white too, but I like the purple. Right. All right. Me, I I have to uh, uh, sneak some Kit Kat bars in there. Those things are great. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. I like that. Yeah. But and, and see, that's why. It's really three. You know what my third one is? <laughs> what? It's the Snicker, Snicker bars. The front, the Snicker. front side Snicker, Snicker bars. You ever put them in the freezer? Or the, or the Snicker or the Snicker mini where you can just pop them in your mouth. I eat, I eat a yeah. whole bag with just like three candy bars, but as long as I can eat the little ones, I'm good. All right, that's good. All right, we're out of here. Uh, please join us uh, next Tuesday for King and Foster here on NRM Streamcast. We hope everybody who who listened in enjoyed it. Jimmy, take it easy. Enjoy your weekend in Texas and uh, stay out of weekend, trouble brother. there, brother. We'll okay. Do you do the same. All right, you man. Peace out. Peace.